Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 this evening, we're coming down to the last few lessons or, or messages on the book of Revelation. We've been in this book for over a year now, and I wanted to kind of wrap things up in the next few times. I'm, we may go talk about a few other things that have to do with prophecy, but we are wrapping things up uh, quite speedily the next couple weeks as we are getting towards the end. Revelation chapter 21, talking about the new Jerusalem. It says, uh, John wrote, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall be no more, any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the homongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and from all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the, the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, sending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, had a great wall high, twelve gates, and twelve, and, and, the, and the gates, twelve angels, names written thereon, with the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, the south three gates, on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in, in, the, in the name, the name, in them, the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he talked with, with me, had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square, the length as large as the breadth, and the measure of the city with a reed, twelve thousand furlongs, and the length, and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And the measure of the wall thereof, 140 and 4 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the, angel, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was like a jasper. The city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chalcedonia. The fourth, an emerald. The fifth, sardis. The, the sixth, sardius. The seventh, Crystallite, the eighth, uh, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysosphorus, the the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, the, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every and every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it was of transparent glass. Verse twenty-two, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the, the Lamb are the temple of it. The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon. To shine in it, for the glory of the God did lighten it. The Lamb was the, is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are, are saved shall walk in the light of it, 
whom the kings of, of the earth to, 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 do, to bring, do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by night, for there shall be no night there. Verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. There shall be shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for this hope that we have, the hope of this new Jerusalem, this new city. Lord, we live in a world, as you know, that is wicked and tarnished, decayed, trouble, difficulty, sin, curse from Adam unto this day and will get even worse because of the sin, the pollution of this world. God, I pray to help us, Lord Jesus, to long to look for this day we can see this new Jerusalem coming down. Help us to be faithful, Lord. Guide us, Lord. We need, we need guidance. We need wisdom. We need discernment. Lord, as we look for this day, we long for this day, we help others see this day. Help us tonight to glean some things out of your word that will help us, encourage us in our Christian life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The New Jerusalem, chapter 21. But first of all, this evening, we see the development, the development of this new Jerusalem, verses 1 and 2. We saw a new heaven, new earth. The first heaven, the first earth had passed away. There's no more sea. This earth that you live on right now will be gone. This earth is sin-cursed because of Adam's choice, because of his decision. Can you imagine one decision having so much destruction? It would take a whole lot. It's like one domino. You seen those dominoes that you can press one and they just go forever, make some kind of fascinating pattern? But just one that hits another, that hits another, that hits another, that hits thousands. That one decision to eat the fruit in the garden of Eden, that one decision to eat that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil has brought to, to the place where this earth must be replaced with a better earth, with a new earth and a new heaven. So we're to this place where this, this, this place that we're standing on uh, right now will be gone. Ever gone. One of the great desires of most Christians today is, 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 to, is to be focused on what we've been singing about all night long, all night long is heaven. Our hope is in heaven. Our dreams are of heaven. Our future is in heaven. We look forward to heaven because we know this place that we live in is, is troubled. And, and every in every in every situation, and the the longer that we live, the more the more the, the worse it gets. As they as they say, probably incorrectly, it's getting worser and worser. I hope a longing for heaven influences you on a regular basis. What does a longing for heaven produce? Well, a longing of heaven. If I can get my clicker to work, oh, there we go. It produces character in our life. It should produce character in your life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. The hope of heaven should, should motivate us recognizing someday we're going to be in heaven. It should make us pure. It should, it should, because we don't live like the most, most people in this world 
live thinking they're just going to die and die like a dog wherever the dog, however the dog dies. That's how most people live. But we have something to look forward to that should motivate us. Motivated. Hope, how do you, do you, are you motivated by, by stuff in, in, your, in this life? Well, you're motivated by one or two things, by reward, or you're, re, re, or you're motivated by consequences of not doing what you're supposed to do. And, you know, as a parent, you know your kid, sometimes you just look at the child and, and that would motivate them. Sometimes you have to promise them a reward. If you do X, Y, Z, you get reward. But sometimes you have to say, hey, if you don't do A, B, C, you get, you know what? <laughs> Everybody has to motivate different ways. How are you motivated because you're someday going to be in a perfect place to promote spiritual activity and service to the Lord and to others? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, the Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou in the joy of the Lord. You heard Brother Benny say it this last Sunday. Everybody who knows Christ as their Savior is going to heaven. But heaven is not going to be the same for everybody. Remember the buckets? The illustration of the buckets? Some are going to have, some are going to get a bucket full of reward. Some are going to get thimble number of reward. I'm just be honest with you. There's some Christians who are just bad. It's just, just I know I know unsaved folks that are better than a lot of than lots of Christians. I'm just talking about as as as, as character wise. I know unsaved people that have better character than many Christians. I'm just being honest with you. That's the truth. I've been a preacher for thirty some years now, <laughs> some way in some shape or form preaching the gospel. I've met all type of Christians. Some Christians just plain out sorry. Liars and cheats and adulterers and fornicators and lazy. And that's just, that's, just, that's just what I can say from the pulpit. In private, I would tell you a lot worse. And, it, and trust me, it's a lot worse. It's a lot worse. I'm talking about people who say they believe the Bible, who say they're blood-bought, who go to church. Christians a lot of times are just sorry. That's a sad situation. But we're not saved by our works, we're saved by grace. Because <laughs> all of us, you catch us on a wrong day, we've been sorry, right? You ever had a bad day where you made some decisions that you wouldn't want anybody to put on the screen back there? <laughs> you, you know, you came, you came to church tonight, maybe you had one of those conversations you're not really supposed to have on the way to church. <laughs> you know, finances, children, um, cats, dogs. Maybe just don't talk at all. <laughs> just listen to some Christian music. Maybe that's the best thing for you. <laughs> but dear friend, promotes activity and service to the Lord. Hopefully, you desire someday to stand before Jesus Christ, and he say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not everybody's going to hear those words. Not every Christian who's, not every person who knows Christ as Savior is going to hear those words. I think it's going to be the minority. I think it's going to be the few going to get to hear those good and faithful. I think God's going to, Jesus is going to say, come on in. But <laughs> come on in. I got a place for you, but it ain't going to be good and faithful. <laughs> it, it, it may be like, like my first grade, first grade teacher said, after I done repeated that first, that first grade one more time, said, you passed by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> no, 
different, but it won't be the skin of your teeth. It'll be by the grace of God, but it will be the grace of God. Thirdly, looking for heaven or longing for heaven, C, is a preservative against sinful living. When we're focused on heaven, we're not as likely to live carnally. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth, for you're dead and your life is hid with God in Christ. You know what we're supposed to be as Christians? We're supposed to be dead. Dead. You ever been to a funeral? Well, those folks in that, in that person in that casket, they typically don't get up and talk. They don't get up, get up and say anything. If they did, everybody run out. That's what we're supposed to be. As, as Christians, we're supposed to be dead to our flesh, dead to our desires, dead to what we want. We're supposed to be alive to Christ. But so often, what we want, our goals, our dreams, our plans, our wants, becomes first. And instead of seeking ye, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we seek our kingdom, our righteousness, our desires, us, us, us. Because of that, we fail. Christianity is when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, our personal Savior. That's a one-time event. But from the moment we're born again, by the grace of God, we should be growing in our relationship with God. You say, well, shouldn't you be content? Yes, in the situation you're in, but you should never be content in your spiritual status. You should all strive, want to grow, be better. Dear friend, if you're not closer to God right now than you were this last year, you backslid. Where you backslid at? Did you lie somewhere you shouldn't have lied? Did you steal something you shouldn't have stole? Did you cheat? Did you not report stuff on the IRS you should have reported? Your conscience was killing you every night, you usurping the sheets? Oh, a lot of Christians right now on medication because they can't sleep at night. And it has nothing to do with a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem. They cheated. They lied. And they think nobody will know. God knows. That's why you can't sleep. That's why you have stress. That's why you're going to the hospital paying thousands and thousands of dollars. Slaying down on a couch talking to a guy who doesn't really care about you. He only cares about is your money. And all you have to do is get right with God and you pay less bills. See, the clean, a clean conscience is a sweet pillow. But because we sin and try to hide the sin, nobody can know. Won't tell preacher. Dear friend, don't worry about preacher. Worry about God. Ananias, Sapphira, who did they lie to? They didn't lie to men. They lied to God. That's why they were struck dead. Heaven is mentioned over 500 times in the Bible. Oh, it should motivate us. It should motivate us. There's three types of heaven. There's the heaven we can see, the atmospheric heaven around the earth, the clouds. There's a stellar heaven. It's that those, those stars we look up in the, in the stars and see the beauty of those things, the constellation. Then there's the heaven, the home of God. We find in Psalm chapter 14, verse 2, the Bible teaches our present heaven and earth will be destroyed by fire. 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night 
in which the heavens shall, shall pass away with a great noise, and elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. The Old Testament teaches there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The New Testament teaches there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The word new in the Greek word kanos. The word means not a chronic, in a, uh, this word does not mean in a new in a chronological sense, but new in a qualitative sense, meaning a new, 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 uh, new type. The new heaven, new earth will be something brand new, never seen before. It's going to be wonderful. Isaiah 65, verse 17, For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall be not remembered, nor come into mind. Isaiah 66, 22, For as the new heavens and the new earth will I, will I, which I make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. God says, also, there'll be no more seed. Sorry, no more grouper. No more redfish. I'm sorry, folks. If you want to get it, go on down to the restaurant tonight and get it done. But maybe some catfish, brother. That's his favorite. Catfish. Catfish. The Babylonians believed the enemy of their, of their creator god, Marduk, lived in the sea. The name of his enemy was the dragon, the dragon god, Tremok. The Egyptians believed the sea was a pyre that swallowed up the Nile River and left their fields barren. In Jewish dreams, the end of the sea was considered as the end of hostile forces towards God and man. Do you realize that 75% of the earth is covered in water? Aren't you glad you're part of the Navy, brother? <laughs> the New Jerusalem is paired as a bride who prepares herself for a wedding day. Jesus is paired as a place for you and me. It's a real place. Heaven is not symbolic. It's real. Heaven is just as real as this wood which I'm pounding on tonight. It's real. Do you believe it's real? It's just not, it's not like that, well, that place over yonder. No, friend, it's real. It's real. That's why Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus right now is preparing a place for those who follow him, who know him. So we see the development of, the, of Jerusalem. Secondly, we see the divine fellowship, the divine fellowship. Verse 3, so I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with them. He will dwell with them, and they shall be with his people, and God himself shall be with them and, their, and be their God. The Old Testament tabernacle represents God's presence and glory in Israel. The types and symbols of the tabernacle were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. First of all, we see the brazen altar, the brazen altar, which is a picture of Calvary. The, the type of priest would go up and make sacrifice for the sins of the people. Jesus Christ himself sacrificed himself so that we could have everlasting life. He shed his blood on the cross. He was the sacrifice. Secondly, the laver, the laver, picture of the sanctification of the believer. The high priest would go. Before he did all his work, he would go and wash his hands. He would cleanse himself. That pictures our own sanctification. We should daily cleanse ourselves, not with soap and water, not with uh, some other type of substance, but by, by sanctification, by reading the word of God. How, how, how can you be clean? By reading the word. It's a mirror. You read it, you, it shows you who you really are, and by the grace of God, you choose to change. Table of showbread. Table of showbread. Picture of Jesus, the bread of life. Oh man, you eat, you eat today. Hey, 
No matter what you eat, Miss Wilma, she cooked a meal for us, my wife and I, Monday. Big old meal, steak and mashed potatoes and, and, and corn on the cob. And, and it took me three hours to get over it. But I woke up the next day hungry. I'm a Baptist preacher. You Baptists, you get hungry too. But you take the bread of life and you'll never want anything else. Dear friend, nothing ever has satisfied me like Jesus Christ. Not one trinket, not one toy, not one thing, not any relationship. And dear friend, not any, any relationship on this earth can satisfy you like Jesus Christ. That doesn't have to say anything to me and my wife. It's just impossible. Not any relationship on earth can replace Jesus Christ because that relationship is permanent. All other relationships come and go. That relationship will never, will never end. The altar of incense is a picture of the ministry of the inter, of intercession of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is praying for us? It's an intercessory relationship that Jesus Christ is not only preparing us a mansion, he's taking our request before the throne of God. Oh, aren't you glad he is, that he cares about us, that he take, he's interceding for us tonight? Wow, thank God for the brazen altar, a picture of the Calvary, the laver, a picture of the sanctification of the believer, the table of showbread, a picture of Jesus, the bread of life, and the altar of incense, a picture of the ministry of intercession. We will dwell with the Lord face to face one day. For now, we are the tabernacle of the Lord. The Holy Spirit dwells in every Christian. Ephesians 2, 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are building together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, are ye, and ye are not your own? For you're brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. How's your temple tonight? Is it clean? I didn't say, did you come to bath before you came to church, though I hope you did. <laughs> I say, is it clean? Have you spent any time this week confessing your sins to God? Have you gone to somebody that you, that you had disagreement with? Or... You, somebody had disagreement with you, and you talked to them and tried to get right. See, preacher, I tried to talk to them, and uh, they wouldn't listen to me. It, isn't, it doesn't say you seek peace and pursue it. You say you seek peace and pursue it, but you can only seek peace as far as you can do it. You can't change anybody, but you can do, all you can do is your part. Have you sought your part to try to keep peace in that relationship to the best of your ability? Are you living clean? Are you choosing to live clean? Are your decisions clean? Oh, dear friend, we have the development of the, new, of the new Jerusalem, divine fellowship. Third, we see in verse 4, we see in verse 4, the death is vanquished. Look at verse 4. I love this verse. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. <laughs> Hallelujah. There shall be no more death. Neither sorrow, nor crying, neither there shall be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Dear friend, if anything should cause you praise and rejoicing, the day is coming when there'll be no more pain. No more pain. No more death. Every year since I've been here, we've buried folks at this church. We've married and buried. And I, we, will, we will probably marry and bury people this year. We'll probably marry and bury people this year. 
Because just as sure as people are born, people die. That's how it happens, isn't it? That's how it happens. But there's coming a day when there'll be no more death. There'll be no more funeral dirges. There'll be no more uh, memorial services. There'll be no more caskets at the, at the front of the church. That'll be over. It'll be over. How wonderful a day that will be where there'll be no more death. Death will be gone. God shall wipe away all tears from eyes. He said, why will, be there be, why will be tears? Some, I believe, weeping because of loved ones who've gone to hell. There'll be some, all of us will be, all, when we get to heaven, I believe we'll, we'll come to a place. I don't, there's some, a lot of this is mysterious, as Brother Benny said. How, how will we know? When will we know? All those things I can't quite answer for you. But I believe ultimately we will know who, are, who is there and who's not there. I believe we will know that we have loved ones. I, I believe I have loved ones right now in hell. And, and you may do too. And I, it pains me. It saddens me. And I, by the grace of God, I want to do more to the loved ones that are on this side of the earth. I want to do more to try to encourage them, share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ so they will be in heaven and not in hell. But all of us in this room will probably know somebody or related to somebody that will be in hell. And we will, we will weep for those folks. I believe some of the tears will be a life that is wasted. It will be the after effects of the judgment seat of Christ. When we could have lived for Christ, we could have done more for Jesus. We should have, but we didn't. When that time of, of casting crowns, whether, whether, whether physically, I believe physically, and, and maybe even more things that he mentioned, Brother Benny mentioned on Sunday, other things that we, as we praise God, Maybe we don't get to participate or be a part of because of our lack of diligence, our lack of seriousness. Some of these te- tears will weep for what God has done for us. We'll be so, she'll be so grateful. We're so thankful. There'll be, there'll be to- tears of sorrow, t- t- tears of terror, tears of weeping for joy because of what God has done for us. There'll be tears because we'll, we won't experience for the first time ever no, any pain or sorrow or death. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Isaiah 25, verse 8, we will, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of His people shall He take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. There's coming a time with all the regrets, all the troubles, all the past, the problems will be over. Whatever is done on this earth, just like this earth will be done. Those things which are done in, on this earth, the former things will pass away. And we will remember them no more. Because heaven could not, in the new heaven and the new earth, could not quit, definitely be what it could be or should be. If we could go back and remember all the things, the problems, the pain, the failures of the past and those people who in heaven. How could we be in eternity in a new heaven, a new earth, if we focus all our time on those who are not there? You ever been somewhere and you invited somebody to something and they didn't show up? Instead of having a good time because you were actually there, all you do is worry about the person who wasn't there. Dear friend, we're going to go to heaven and you won't even, I believe you won't even remember who's not there with you. That will be taken away from our minds. And it would have to be if heaven were to be enjoyable. So I'm looking forward to that time. 
is the development of Jerusalem, divine fellowship. Death is vanquished. Number four, or number seven, number seven, by the description of the new Jerusalem. Declaration of the Lord. It says there's something special about having these things. Don't you enjoy new furnishings, new clothes? I don't know about you, but I like I like new things. Amen. You like you, you like new, even if it's new to you. <laughs> you say, well, you know, some things may not be new, but they're new to you. That's a nice thing. There's something special about having things new. The Bible says in Luke chapter 21, verse 33, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. His word, his word is always new. It never gets old. Overcomers are those souls who have been saved with inherit all things for they for the belong to the Lord. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not, not away, reserved in heaven for you. Dear friend, because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your reservations cannot be canceled. Aren't you glad? Somebody can't take your inheritance from you. Oh, I know people who, who, people who had a lot of power, and, and, and they said, well, you know what, I'm going to put a truck. And their own family tried to break the truck. Their own family, their own loved ones just tried to break the truck. But what God has given you in your inheritance, nobody can take it away. Amen? Amen. It's beautiful. destiny of the depraved. The ones who know Christ will have eternal life. The ones who die without the Lord will spend eternity in the lake of fire. It says in verse 8, for the fearful, the unbelieving, the abdominal, the murderers, the homemongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And you say, well, preacher, man, I've done all these things maybe today. No. Or maybe the last two weeks. No, it's talking about people who continue in these things. Who, who in this room has not has, has been fearful? All of us have been fearful, right? Have you ever been unbelieving? Sure. I'm, this is talking about people who are in a constant state of this. They live this way always. The fearful, those who are afraid to trust Christ their Savior. Savior. The unbelieving, people who just will not believe. The abominable, those who are morally and spiritually filthy. Murderers, those who plan on taking the life of other people. Homemongers, sinners involved in adultery, immorality, fornication, sorcerers. We looked at this word before. It comes from the Greek word pharmakeia, which, which forms our word uh, pharmacy. Idolaters, people who worship idols, people or things or idolaters. Liars, those people who habitually liars. Those are people, are these people in hell? Dear friends, the people right now in hell. The people right now in hell. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 17, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto you, the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou hast given not warning. Thou speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but the blood will acquire thy hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, not from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. 
again, when a righteous man turn from his righteousness, commit iniquity, and lay a stone like before him, and he shall die because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. His righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require of thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous, that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned, also as delivered by faith. What is Ezekiel saying? We've got to warn those around us. Because if, we, if there's is people around us and we don't warn them, then their blood is on our hands. That's why we, that's why we pass out tracts. That's why we go on visitation. That's why we go to the, by the grace of God, and going down to Lancaster here in the next month or so to, to, to tell those folks down there, those men down there about Jesus Christ. That's why we do nursing home. That's why we do all these things. Why? So the, one of the reasons, so they won't die and go to hell, but the, the, their blood will not be required at our hands. We need to warn others. You say, well, they won't listen. Well, warn them. Are you warning others? Are you warning others? And if you see this verses 9 through 27, the description of New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem will be a stationary city that hovers above the earth in space. The light of the city will be like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, jasper as clear, diamond-like stone. It will be like icicles in its appearance. The first stone of the breastplate of the high priest, the stone of the symbol of purity and holiness. The city will be like a giant light bulb as the glory of, the, of God will shine out of it. The wall is, is very thick. The Bible says it's 144 cubits, which equals 216 feet. It contains 12 gates with the name of the tribe of Israel on each gate. Each gate seems to be attended by an angel, not Peter. Peter is not going to let you in the pearly gates. The gates will be approximately 300 miles apart. The city will be huge. It's the shape of a cube within the, with the length, breadth, and height, all being 12,000 furlongs. The city is a pattern at the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, which is made of perfect cubes. 12,000 furlongs equals 1,500 miles. That's going from the East Coast, our East Coast, all the way to the Mississippi River and going as far as Canada border all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. And then 1,500 miles high. That's the size of this city. The con construction material used in the wall is jasper, which is diamond-like in appearance. Gold is another predominant material used in the city. These two elements will radiate God's glory and brilliance. The foundation of the city will be visible. Precious stones will garnish each level of the foundation. The name of the apostle will be written on each level. The first level will be jasper. That's a, cl a very a clear, clear like, a diamond-like appearance. Sapphire, which is blue, opaque stone. Chalcedony, which is a sky blue with stripes of, of colors of green. Emerald. A bright green. Sardis, which is white with layers of red. Sardius, which is fiery red. Crystallite, which is golden yellow stone. Beryl, which is a sea green, yellow, or blue covered stone. Topaz, which is a golden green. Sapphosaris, which is a, blue, a bluish green stone. Jaconith, which is a blue or violet colored stone. And amethyst, which is purple in appearance. Can you imagine the colors of that? Wow! These stones reflect God's glory and great beauty. Eight of these stones were the breastplate of iron. Each of the gate of the city is made from one huge pearl. This is why we hear the, the term, the pearly gates. The pearls remind us of the, what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like an merchant seeking godly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all they had and brought it. Pearls are made by what? Oysters. The oyster coats any irritations inside of it with secretion that eventually forms into the pearl. 
We were an irritation to God. <laughs> Made ugly because of our sinfulness, but when we trusted Christ, we're covered by his pearly white righteousness. And as a pearl, a circular, never-ending, our salvation is eternal too. The streets of the city are made from transparent gold. We will go to the city made of pearl and streets of gold. Because the glory of the Lord will be present. There will be no, no temple, no sun, nor of the moon. We won't need GE or GRU. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Or Duke Power. There will be no more power bills. Amen. There will be no night there. Woo, the gates will always be open to those who have been saved by the grace of God and written in the Lamb's book of life. There'll be no crooks, no criminals, no locks on your doors. Woo. Ah. The abominable, the defilers, the liars will not be allowed to enter the city. This will be a place of perfect perfection and peace for all who know the Prince of Peace. You will finally, ladies, get to go to the house of your groom. And men, you will not have a honey-do list. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all over. Dear friend, we're going to a place of perfection, a place of peace, a place of promise. And that's all for us today. I hope, I hope, I hope tonight you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. This is, this is promised to you. This is promised to you and will happen as sure as you're sitting there in those chairs this, this evening. Do you know the Prince of Peace? You say, preacher, I know the Prince of Peace. Do you know the Prince of Peace? But do are you living in peace this evening? Do you have peace in your heart? The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you're easily offended, there's a reason why you're easily offended. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Believer in Jesus Christ, are you walking in peace? You should walk in peace because you know the Prince of Peace. And if you don't have peace tonight, by the grace of God, I pray that you will choose it. You will choose it in your life. Father, we thank you, God, for the promises that we found in the, in the scriptures of this place called the New Jerusalem that someday we will be in. Oh, I long to walk those streets of gold. I long to see those gates of pearl. Lord, to look at these different wonderful stones, Lord, that were found and fashioned. Lord, how beautiful or how magnificent they are. They all will reflect the very glory of God. Oh, how wonderful it will be to be in this place. So different from this place of pain and sorrow and suffering that we live in today. We long for it. But, Lord Jesus, help us right now as we're on this journey to live in a time, live in, a, in peace, peace with one another, peace with you, to choose it. Lord, I pray if there's someone in this room not saved, God, that you'd help them realize there's the need of their salvation. I believe most in this room know you, God, but maybe there's someone who does not. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, tonight for someone who's saved, but say, Father, I say, preacher, I do not know. I do not know. Uh, I know I know Christ, but I I don't know how to find peace. I'm struggling in, in, your, in your life. There's, maybe there's difficulty or problems or oh, maybe marital problems or, or financial problems or personal problems of, of all sorts. Oh, God, I pray you'd help them 
seek the Prince of Peace and find peace, find peace in him alone. With his head bowed and eyes closed, maybe someone in this room said, Preacher, I'm saved, but I'm struggling to, I'm struggling to have peace in my life. Would you pray for me? I'm struggling with problems, difficulties. Would you pray for me? I want to have peace. I want to have peace. I go, I go, I go off in times struggling, and, 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 and my mind goes astray, and I'm just struggling. I, I, I got so many issues I'm going through right now, and I just I need peace in my life. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that tonight? Be honest. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? You know, the Prince of Peace, to be honest, with, to be honest you don't have peace in your life right now. You don't have peace in your life. Your piano plays. Let's stand to our feet this, this evening. God has spoken to your heart, dear friend. The altar is open. If you'd like to come and ask God to help you in your life. Pray a prayer. Lord, I need you. Maybe it's just a simple prayer like that. Lord, I need you. I need peace in my life. I don't have it, but I need it. others tonight that are struggling, lacking peace, lacking joy, lacking victory in your Christian life, trouble at every hand, don't have to be, don't have to be, you can have peace, you walked in trouble, you can walk away without trouble, I pray you do business with God tonight.